You're listening to the Word of Hope, sermons preached at Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Today's sermon is preached by Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, in our gospel text, John chapter 1, Jesus has returned from his 40 days of temptation in the wilderness, and he's, he's come back to John, the Baptist. And John, seeing Jesus, preaches the most beautiful of sermons. It's only one sentence long. In fact, I thought about, I've thought before of trying to preach a one-sentence sermon. The confirmation kids taking notes would like that. <laughs> I can't get to it, but John does it. And I'm not sure if any of the prophets or the apostles have ever preached a more beautiful sermon than this. Thirteen words, John says. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. With that single sentence, John takes all of the theology of the Old Testament, all of the religious practice instituted by Moses, all of the worship that God had set his people to, and he, and he piles it all on Jesus and says it's all about him. Consider, for just as an example, the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. Leviticus 23 gives the details. There were a lot of things that were to happen on that day that day of atonement, as I think is on the seventh day of the tenth month, that day was the only day when anybody would ever go into the Holy of Holies in the temple. Remember, there was the holy place and then the most holy place. And you would never go in there except for on the day of atonement. Only the high priest would go in there. He would go in twice, first with the blood of a bull for himself and then with the blood of a ram for the people. But also on that day, they, they were to take two rams flip a coin for them, and one ram would be sacrificed and the other ram would be the scapegoat. Now imagine this, the high priest would get this goat right there in the middle of the, of the courtyard of the temple and he would put his hands on the goat and he would start to speak all the sins of all the, of the people that year right over the head of the goat. Uh, confessing their sins. We've been discontent and we've grumbled and we've complained against God and we've been bitter and we've lied and we've, we've hurt one another and we've been full of lust and unchaste and we've been angry and violent and rebellious and blasphemous. We've, we have idols. We've feared and loved and trusted all these false gods above God. Oh, he's, and he's sitting there confessing all the people's sins over the head of this goat. And then the goat is driven off. Just imagine being there. I mean, if it was, if it was happening right here. And, and, and your sins are being confessed over this animal. And then it was being driven out of the camp. I've read that in the histories that they would drive this goat out. And this, not, this was extra. This was not from from God through Moses, but this is an extra practice that they would do, that not only would they drive the goat out into the wilderness, but they would find uh, a convenient cliff and drive the goat off the cliff. And I suppose that, so, I mean, you would hate to be sitting there in, your, in front of your tent and that scapegoat like comes looking for food. <laughs> kind of creepy. You didn't want your sins coming back into the camp. But that's the point. The blood of bulls and goats, and this is the thing that we have to remember, the blood of bulls and goats can't take away sin, but it can preach the taking away of sin that was going to happen when God sent His Messiah. That, that is the thing that we need to remember with the scapegoat, that that goat was preaching the, the goat to come, the lamb to come, who would truly bear the sins of the people and carry them away. 
And that, that's the theology of all of the sacrifices of the Old Testament. When you go to the sacrifice and you see a lamb burning on the altar, or a goat, or a bull, or a pigeon, or whatever, and you know that that lamb didn't do anything. That, that bull didn't do anything. I mean, you know, when the priest is there preaching, confessing the sins, you, the goat didn't commit those sins. It wasn't angry and bitter and jealous and unchaste. The goat didn't do anything wrong. And yet, the Lord is pleased to have the sins of the people put on something else. To have your sins put on something else. So that when the goat is being roasted on the altar, you can say, that should be me. It should be my flesh burning there. It should, that should be the smoke of my destruction rising up to heaven. And yet, the Lord accepts the death of another. The Lord accepts a substitute in my place. The Lord will provide a true sacrifice, the Messiah, who will truly be able to take away the sins of all the world. And that is what John is doing when he points at Jesus and says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He says, Remember the scapegoat? That scapegoat who carried all the people's sins away? That's Jesus. He is here. He is the one. It's not just the Day of Atonement, though, really. All of the stuff of the Old Testament. So, so as another example, consider the Passover the chief of all of the Old Testament feasts. It was instituted by God back in Exodus. Remember the people were there, they were slaves under the pharaohs for 400 and something years, and he was driving them hard, so finally they decided to pray, and the Lord heard their prayer, and he's going to rescue the people, bring them out into the wilderness so that they could worship him. And, and what does the pharaoh say? No, they can't leave. And so one after another, the Lord is loading Pharaoh with these plagues. With these plagues. Just getting worse and worse and worse. Pharaoh's hardening his own heart. And then by the end of it, God's even helping Pharaoh's heart to be hardened. And he's getting worse and worse and worse. And Pharaoh won't let the people go. So now comes the last plague, the worst plague, the most horrible of all, the death of the firstborn. But the Lord gives instructions to Moses, to Aaron, and to the people that they were to take a lamb and sacrifice the lamb and eat, roast the lamb and eat the lamb and take the blood of that lamb and put the blood on the door on the top of the door and on the sides. And when the destroying angel would come to the house, he would see that blood and he would pass by. He would pass over. And they would be saved. And it happened. And a great cry, a great cry went up from Egypt that night. But it was not from the house. It was not from the houses of the Lord's people. Even in the palace, Pharaoh was mourning, but the most humble of the Israelites who had the blood of the Lamb were safe. They were protected by the blood of the Lamb. And every year the Israelites were supposed to celebrate the Passover and remember this great truth that there is safety in the blood of the Lamb. And all of this is preaching. The blood of bulls and goats cannot take away sin, but that blood preaches a blood that can. It's preaching a blood of the Lamb of God who would take away the sin of the world. And that's what John is putting on Jesus in the wilderness. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We could multiply examples. I mean, there was the God appointed through Moses a morning and evening sacrifice in the temple of a lamb. The lamb would be bought, brought to the altar and would be burned there for the forgiveness of sins. The rabbi, we found rabbinic texts from the time of Jesus that talked about the morning and evening sacrifice. And they understood that the morning sacrifice would wash away the sins of the night and the evening sacrifice would wash away the sins of the day so that the people could stand before God forgiven and holy. Behold the Lamb of God, says John, who takes away the sin of the world. 
Or remember Abraham and Isaac. After years of waiting for God to keep his promise, finally, at last, the child was born, Isaac, in whom all the nations of the earth would be blessed. From Isaac, the Messiah would come. But then the Lord gives instruction to Abraham to take Isaac and to sacrifice him. Now, there's a lot to this story, in fact. But just quickly, we want to remember that this command to sacrifice Isaac was not a test of Abraham's love. It was a test of Abraham's faith. The test that God gave to to Abraham was not just to see if Abraham would obey the most crazy and outlandish thing that God told him to do. We often think of it that way. Like, Abraham's sacrifice is uh, is just to do whatever God says to do. It's much, much more than that. There's something very specific happening with the sacrifice of Isaac. Isaac, remember, is the child of promise. God told Abraham that through Isaac, his own descendants would be as many as the stars of the sky and the sand on the beach. Through Isaac, the Messiah, the promised Messiah, would arise and destroy the devil. Isaac, in other words, to say it very simply, God promised to Abraham that Isaac would have children. And this is where the test is. Would Abraham believe that God could keep the promise to give him grandchildren through Isaac, even if he sacrificed Isaac? And the answer is yes. Abraham believed. Abraham believed that Isaac would get married and would have children, even if he sacrificed him on top of the mountain. And the book of Hebrews tells us why. It gives us more insight into the thinking of Abraham. It tells us more details. It tells us that Abraham figured, thought, that God would raise Isaac from the grave. After all, he had to keep the promise. That's why Abraham was willing to sacrifice Isaac, because he knew that Isaac wasn't going to stay dead, no matter what. God had promises to keep through Isaac, and so this couldn't be the end of him. One way or another, God would keep his promise. Now, it's it's just important for us to understand the sacrifice of of Isaac rightly, if we don't see that it was this child of promise that God was calling Abraham to sacrifice, then we miss it altogether. But it turns out that God didn't raise Isaac. He he had another way of keeping the promise. He prevented the sacrifice. The angel stopped Abraham's hand, and they looked over, and they saw a ram there, caught in the thicket, his horns stuck in the the weeds. And and they took the, the ram, and they sacrificed that ram instead so that the Lord provided. In fact, Abraham named that place Jehovah-Jireh. The Lord provides. And he explains it. The Lord provides himself as the sacrifice. That that place is where David would build the temple, or Solomon would build the temple in Jerusalem. That very place. It's where the Lord provides. Again, this is the preaching that we have to hear that the Lord accepts now the death of another in another's place. He accepts the death of the ram in place of Isaac. And this preaching of the ram on the hill is what John is preaching in the wilderness. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In fact, one more. Because this goes all the way back to the very beginning, the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve disobeyed God and realize that they're naked, and they sew together the fig leaves. Remember this? They sew together fig leaves to cover their shame. 
We've made the point before that those fig leaves are, are like a picture of every human religion, every human religious endeavor, an attempt to cover our own shame by our own works and efforts. And these fig leaves seem fine until Adam and Eve hear the sound of the Lord in the garden, and then they're terrified and realize that the fig leaves aren't enough, and they run from God and hide in the bushes. But God finds them, stands them up in front of them, gives out curses, and wonderfully gives out promises of the devil-crushing seed of the woman. And then, shockingly, the Lord takes an animal right there in the garden, kills an animal, skins the animal, and wraps the skin around Adam and Eve. These fig leaves just won't do. I, I wonder sometimes, this is maybe just myself, I wonder sometimes if if that animal that the Lord killed on that day had had a chance to have little baby animals or not. If not, that, that animal then went extinct. Can you think of it? That the Lord killed not only that one animal, but all that would come from it. Who knows what it was? Well, we don't know enough if that's true, but can you imagine still being there? Here's Adam and Eve. There's no death, there's been no dying, there's been no shedding of blood, nothing like this in all of the history of the world. And Adam and Eve are now watching the Lord take with his own hands an animal that didn't do anything at all wrong. Adam and Eve are the ones that sin. The Lord takes that animal, the Lord kills that animal, it's blood staining the garden floor. The Lord then hangs that animal up and strips the skin off of that animal. Its carcass is hanging there from a tree. And the Lord takes that skin and wraps it, still warm, still wet. Wraps that skin around the shameful, shaking bodies of Adam and Eve. Is this what it takes to cover our sin and our shame, they would ask? And the Lord would say, no, this is only preaching. The sacrifice that is to come. The sacrifice of the cross. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John is heaping all of this on Jesus. It is the preaching of Isaiah. Remember Isaiah 53. Isaiah, in fact, has preached all of these things that we've heard already, that the Lord would provide Himself as the sacrificial Lamb. Isaiah says it like this, All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned every one of us to His own way. And the Lord has laid on Him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. He opened not his mouth like a lamb that's led to the slaughter, like a sheep that's before its shearers, that's silent. So he opened not his mouth. The Lord laid on him, on Jesus, the sin of all of us. One, this Jesus is the one that Isaiah preached who would carry the affliction of God for the sins of the people. This one that John preaches is right here in front of them. So John has piled up all of the Old Testament preaching, all of the Old Testament practice, all of the Old Testament sacrifices, all of the Old Testament blood, all of the Old Testament worship. He's put it all on Jesus and says, He's here. He's arrived. The one you've been waiting for is standing in front of your face. He is the one. Behold the Lamb of God. It's just fantastic. But there's something, if you can believe it, even a little bit more wonderful than that. Because it's not just that Jesus is the one who fulfills all of these Old Testament promises. 
Jesus is the one who carries all of your sins. It's not just the pictures that John is putting on Jesus, but John is saying that God the Father puts all of your sin, all of your transgression, all of your breaking of the law, all of your failures, all of it on Jesus in your place. All of your imperfections, all of your transgressions, every single bit of your failing to keep God's law, it's on Christ. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This means He is the Lamb of God who takes away your sin. He suffers in your place. He is the sacrificial Lamb so that God's anger falls on Him and not on you. So that just like the Old Testament people could go to the altar and see the lamb burning and say, it should be my smoke, my suffering. Instead, God accepts another. So we look at Jesus on the cross and said, and say, that should be me. But my Savior Jesus Christ has taken my place under God's wrath so that I can take my place with Him in eternal life. Now this is the sermon that John is preaching for us. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away your sin forever. And I want you to think about this. I want you to think about this tomorrow night. I want you to think about this. When we hear the gospel reading of Christmas, that Jesus was laid in a manger where the sheep and the oxen outside Jerusalem were gathered. It's no coincidence that Jesus was preached to the shepherds who were watching over the flocks who would be sacrificed at the altar. It's no coincidence that Jesus is born in the midst of animals living outside of Jerusalem who would be destined for the altar. Jesus is born to be your substitute, to be your Savior, to be God's Lamb that carries away from you forever all of your sins. God be praised. Amen. The peace of God that passes all understanding. Guard your minds and your hearts through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope. We hope your time with us was one of joy and peace in hearing the Lord's Word and kindness. If you have questions about anything you heard on today's broadcast, please don't hesitate to contact us at office at hope-aurora.org or call the office at 303-364-7416. For more information about our congregation, for locations, service time, and schedule, please visit our website at www.hope-aurora.org. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope.